Right, today I'm in Essex with someone that I knew for years as the scourge of the on-course betting ring, Dean Valentine. Thanks for agreeing to do this, Dean. Um, haven't seen you much on course recently. How would you describe your occupation these days? Um, still a little scourge, still a scallywag, but um, just play the off-course market now, you know, in the shops, etc., with the firms. Um, would consider myself a professional punter. Um, you know, no secret. I like to try and keep my liabilities as least as possible. If I can turn a two to one chance into a ten to one chance, I'll do that all day long. You can't beat the numbers at the end of the day. So you're a professional punter now, Dean. You can't just suddenly become one. What? How did your association with the game start in the beginning? Um. I met a guy when I was 17 and I was on holiday in Gran Canaria and he was associated with the Ray Firm, if anyone remembers the Ray Firm. Sid Sweeney was the governor and the guy, I, the chap I met was Colin Hill and he had a share with um, the Ray Firm and he used to get all the meetings that Sid didn't want to go to and when I, I met him in Grand Canaria and we become good friends and um, he invited me to the races and that's where it all began. So that was your first job with a bookie? Yeah, yeah. I remember him saying to me, would you would you like to stand on the bag and give out change? Well I thought, wow, this is for me. I was thought I was Jack the Lad, you know what I mean? So that that was it and then I slowly, you know, was fascinated by the tic tac and asked questions, and, and then started going with the Ray firm on, on a regular basis. Now, if anybody scours the internet and uh, Google's you, a uh, TV documentary comes up with you and another bookie I know, Jimmy Davis, and you both look alarmingly fresh faced <laughs> at a dog track, and you were tic tacking and quite good at it, if uh, Jimmy used to be believed. So what do you remember about that little uh, escapade? I think that come about, I was working for Jimmy one day at Walthamstow. I was in the main ring and um, some guys were, I think they was at university and they just, they had to make a film. Anyway, they come to me and said, look, you know, explain what they was doing. They said, you know, we've been watching you for a few meetings. Would you mind if we made a film about Tic Tac, so being uh, being a young man and like for looking for the limelight, my ad, I'm not looking for limelight now. Nice and quiet under the radar, and yeah, that that was how that film come about. And then they they literally followed me around for a week, and if there, I seem to remember if there was a, all those in that that particular university, all the other students also made a film. And I think the best one was going to be on Channel 4. And so I scuppered that. that, that was, I ruined that for them. So, uh, yeah, but it was, it, was, it was interesting. It made me realise, don't believe too much what you see on the telly. Right, David, in your early days, was, was, um, was dog racing a big, bigger part of your bookmaking sort of work than horse racing? Or was it pretty much the same? Or how big a part was dog racing to you? Um, well... We was just, Alice and I, 
had not long had our first child, so it was a case of having to do the two. And um, but the racing was the main, my main wages. Um, I've never been interested in punting dogs at all. Um, I no, basically the horses is the main, the main state of the family really. Right, so you've got any strong any strong opinions about the way dog racing has gone down the pan recently? Not really, Simon. No, I'm pretty. You know, uh, people. Well, if they're at all interested, I think people would be very surprised. A little notice I do take of anything, really. You know what I mean? I'm in my own little world and my own little bubble, and uh, my days of rucking with bookmakers at the races are sort of long gone. You know what I mean? I just sort of do my own thing and. Uh, and that's it, basically. When that, when I when I first sort of become aware of you, I think you were working on the floor for Tony Styles, Bob Stock, um, and you were doing pretty well for yourself. But you were still working on the floor. How come you carried on doing that? Because they're just a lovely family, and I will be forever in their debt for the chance they give me. So how long did you work with Tony? Um, the fam, well, like Tony's dad, uh, Jim. I worked with the firm for 20 years and um, fantastic, lovely, lovely family. You know, you go through life, you meet people and you always look to people when you're younger thinking, I want to be like them. And as a family, you know, I, I always look to them and think that would do me. You know, Jim was obviously, well, I presume he was a very wealthy man. It's so level-headed. So you mentioned uh, you sort of looked at the people. Who were the on-course bookies and maybe punters that impressed you in those early days when you first got going? Um, the light bulb, uh, Johnny Lights. He was one of my heroes. Um, um, Dudley, Dudley Roberts. Um, they was just great characters, you know, as well. You know, it was... Um, they knew how to chip you when you lost, you know what I mean? They 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 wasn't too impressed when you won, but if you lost, they couldn't wait to let you know. Um, Fletcher, uh, Mickey Fletcher, the asparagus kid. Um, but it was, you know, like everyone says, I suppose, we're the characters now, but in them days, it just seemed so many characters. And it has changed, hasn't it? It has changed. Even Barry Dennis, he was a character. Couldn't bear the man. However, what a family man. A true, true family man. He'd done it all for his wife and kids. And listen, it takes all sorts of air. You get it, but he managed to get it. Now that must be a bit tricky. When you become a professional punter and you're making your living off of these people that you actually like and admire, how does that sit with you when you're taking money off them? Um... So, I mean, it wasn't always taking money off of them. There was plenty of time. They only remember the times you took the money off of them. You know, I can remember I had one day I had a bet with Barry Dennis, 66 to 1 chance at Newmarket, 66 to 1. Pete, I suppose people are well aware I'd sort of get my card marked of certain people in this world. I have a good insight to which way the market's going. Um, but... I'm privy that privy to that information doesn't always work, but I remember I've done it with a sixty-six to one chance 
at Newmarket, the bollocking I got. But listen, I don't put the prices up. <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyway, Barry, thanks. But I wish you well. Was, was there ever a point when you thought about joining their ranks as a racehorse bookie? Impossible. You never fancied it? Impossible. So when did you decide that you were going to have a serious go at a chunk of the punting pie? Um, used to put a few quid on for some people years ago, some high-profile names, and um, and then Betfair came along, and they sort of disappeared. So it was a case of me and, as you know, Simon Roberts, Dudley's son, we sort of uh, joined at a hip, still, never a crossword. And we just decided, let's go and play on Betfair. Uh, and that was it, basically. So did the advent of Betfair sort of cut out the middleman for a lot of these bookies that would sort of lay one for certain faces or back one for certain faces? Did, did that edge for a lot of people disappear then, do you think? Well, yeah, I suppose they would have lost their a lot of their leads... You know, you know, you'd see the faces going in, back in certain horses, etc., etc., and they would have lost that because they would have disappeared off the race course. But listen, you know, bookies ain't really interested in them sort of people. You know, if they could take tenors off of Joe Public all day long, they'd they'd much rather do that. You know, it's just you know, we we call it people like to be seen to be a bookie. They love it. The lure of the chalk, as Billy Brown once told me what it's called. The lure of the chalk. Whereas then you get the professional bookies who are called, who it is their living. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're clever people. John, the Johnny Whites. If I had to have a share with a bookie, Johnny White would be my man. He knows the game inside out. Shrewd, shrewd, shrewd operator. So the... You'd say the betting exchanges scuppered your edge for a bit, but then did they open up a whole new, new load of yeah, opportunities? Yeah, it did. We had to adjust, that was all. I remember Simon and I, we went to... Um, we didn't win for three weeks. The first three weeks, and we were scratching our heads, thinking like, you know, I mean, what, why has this all drifted? Or why is this all shortening? And But, listen, there's only one way to learn in this game, and that's the hard way. And, you know, that's what we did. Well, up until a few years ago, I mean, even at places like Kempton on a Wednesday, you'd be stood there in front of a load of shivering bookies on an all-weather meeting, appearing to be talking into your newspaper before pouncing on one of them. Yeah. Um, these days, we will never see you. What happened there? Um, understandably so. They didn't want to lay us anymore because everything we back shortened. But, you know, I, you know, I understand that, that they, you know, that they don't like that. I don't put up the prices, as I'd say. You know what I mean? They make the prices. And, you, you know, everyone thought we was arbing on them. Total rubbish. Total, total, total rubbish. We took a view. We would back it at the same time on Betfair. And, thankfully, we're right more than we're wrong. So is a lot of your your business, is it hard work and knowledge, or is it, Cards being marked still, or is it a bit of each? Or I don't even want to say. Cards being marked. Right. So you've made a living, one way or another, from bookmakers for years. Yep. And what people can't see is that you've made a very good living. Um, but there seems to be no love lost for them. Now, I've seen you vilifying 
bookmakers brutally on course and off course. There is that bending tongue-in-cheek of mellowed. Mellowed massively. Mellowed massively. Totally understand how hard it is for them. I now deal with every big firm trading desk straight to the nerve centre of these companies and within reason they all play ball you know what I mean they get a very very cheap mark of which may, of which way the market's going very cheap mark and it, it is a case of you know you, you know and everyone watching this will know price is king now price is so king it, it's come to a point now that people actually forget there's a man riding a horse it's all about prices now the the big firms if they've reduced me back massively they used they want the marks they basically want them for nothing there was a time where they'd let me have pretty much anything i'd wanted to get the mark but now it ain't quite like that but then listen they've got their livings to get as well so with the recent thing that uh, Skybet and VC are doing, you bet want to win a monkey. Now, if, just trying to gauge the level of your business, if you could back a horse to win a monkey with every firm on odds checker, would that be enough? I hope some of these firms ain't watching. No, no, no. It would have to be, um, listen, I'll name firms, I won't name names, but the likes of, Corals, Labrooks, Hills, 365, Betfred, Absolute Gentlemen, Chandlers, they're all fair. You know what I mean? It is tough for them. It is tough for them. I totally understand. Their expenses are phenomenal. It baffles me how they make it pay, to be fair. However, however, what these traders do need to realise is the fact that Betfair ain't always right. You know, you mustn't let, they mustn't let it govern them completely by the two, you know, everyone says it, oh, there's two quid up there on the machine. You mustn't let that two quid govern it. Remember, boys, you are supposedly the professionals, the bookies. They are supposedly the professionals. You know, I just think that they need to, not to be seen so ruthless in how they, You've only got to look like winning before they close accounts. Just look like winning. I'm really fortunate that I have got the firms and they are prepared to listen to me and I've broke the deals of them. And within reason, we all stick within the rules. Occasionally, you know, I mean, we want a few quid on more and then I'd ask, you know, some other people to help me get bets on, you know, and likewise, I'd, I'd help them. Right, Dean, anybody can tell that you were very, uh, you were a professional professional. Now, do you actually love horse racing and the buzz of betting, or is it now just a cold, calculated business transaction? Um, I do, uh, you know, to go to the races, like if Alison and I went, not that we do, to be fair, we haven't been for a couple of years, but I would enjoy a day at the races, like with Alison and myself, but no, it's, it's hardcore. It's hardcore, cold, calculated. I'm going to win yours, you're going to win mine. And that's it, you know what I mean? And if we can, you know, if we can get a percentage of what we turn over, then I'm happy. It ain't all success stories, Simon, I assure you. 
That's quite refreshing to hear somebody say that because I think people forget that that's what it's all about. They want our money, we want your money, whoever we and they are. Uh, now you said earlier that your edge is information. Now why would somebody tell you and not just benefit for themselves? Um, listen, when you say information, it's not, they're good judges. Listen, bookies, bookies don't want to know anyone who's half clever. They don't want to know them. All I want to know is those that are half clever and above. That's all I want to know. And, you know, and if I can help them get their money on, I will. And, you know, there's people that I've dealt with for many, 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 many years. And I would be frightened of life without them. Because they're such prolific winners and I follow them in on a I wouldn't say a daily basis but a weekly basis but it ain't information as such they're just very good judges you know listen you get these odds compilers why bookies have odds compilers is beyond me totally and utterly beyond me I don't get it I don't understand it why pay someone one firm goes up they all follow and then they rely on the public to put to tell them if they're right or wrong. And if you if they think you are, for, you ain't getting a bet anyway. So why not bookies? Why not just to be seen to stand by your convictions just slightly, rather than just fobbing? Remember, it's your livings. The traders I'm talking about. It's your livings as much as anyone. And I'm sure that I mean. Getting rid of the punters as quick as you do, eventually it's got to come to a time when you own it, there won't be none left. But I don't know. Listen, I've only got another 10, 15 years, and I it won't matter anymore. Now, you are there a underground sort of network of bookies that are prepared to take on people like you or take your business? Because when you look at, I mean, you know, the figures that you can get on if you are, like you say, half a winner are pretty small on a lot of these online companies. So is there like an underground network that the normal people like me wouldn't know about? Um, there would be an underground network of people putting on, but there wouldn't be an underground network of private bookies, if you should say. It all ends up more or less in the big firms' satchels somehow. Um, invariably... Um, what am I trying to say? It does all, you know, it does all in filter up back, you know, it's no secret, we'd use people, we'd slip people in, there's risks come with that, the risks I could have bought a very, you know, the risks of getting knocked, what I've been knocked for in winning bets, would buy a considerable house for someone, but listen, that's part and parcel of it, you know what I mean? It's, it still hurts, but you know, I'm, I've got all them people putting on there. You know, I, you know, I asked the likes of Christian White to help me put bets on for me. Absolute gentleman. GW Sports, they bet at the races. Great outfit. Understand the game more than most. More than most, they understand the game, and and clever boys, the lot of them. Right, you're a family man. Totally. You got a wife and lovely kids and. 
So yep. how, how, right, you're comfortable now, but how's that profession sat with supporting a young family back in, you know, when you were first starting out? There has been time, Simon, when I've I've come home working for the Styles family and done me 300 quid, absolutely sick. And I always used to you drive alone, it would be a long drive home, and I'd be thinking, I wish I was a postman. Stress-free. But then I suppose it that wouldn't that wouldn't be exciting enough for me, would it? I I, I need excitement. So so when you've had a terrible day, and I imagine there's been worse days than that in more recent years. Oh yes, years, oh yes. Can you leave a particularly bad bad day behind and sort of sit down with a family and forget about it? Impossible. Sulk like a baby. Sulk like a baby, mate. There's no better loser than me, mate. I am the governor at it. You've had an Not better loser. Time. Sorry. I should say, there's no worse loser than me. I am the governor. I am the worst loser you'll ever, ever come across. So you've had to have an understanding family throughout the years then? Oh, they know when I've lost. Which is, at the moment, is quite a regular occurrence. So was there ever a time when it got so bad you thought, I've got to turn this in seriously? I mean, you never became a Um, man. Right, last year... No, was it last year? Last year? It went really, you know. Listen, I, 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 I'm only there to see what's to back what I hear is fancied, and if the price is right. If the bookies get the prices right, we don't play. We only want to play when we think they're wrong. There was a stage last year when it was literally went three weeks, didn't put a cop in the book. And I did it. It was for the first time I've said to Alison, I said, like, this is a waste of time, this. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to get out of this. And, my, uh, and a friend of ours had a business up for sale selling fruit and veg. I'm going to give him a little, a little, what's the word? What's the word when you plug? I'm going to give my son a little plug now. He's got a company now. It's called Valentine's Fruit and Veg. And they deliver. The fashion in the offices these days is to have veg, uh, fruit delivered to your office. Well, that's what my son does. Plus, he does deliver vegetables to golf clubs, etc., etc., etc. But, you know, that is what he does. So, any big firm out there watching this and you're looking to get fruit delivered to your office, he's your man. That's good value, fruit and veg. Now, it's interesting there. This is, is going to catch you out because I haven't mentioned it on the questions. You talked about prices. Now, so value is obviously a big part. So, somebody somewhere tells you what a value price the bat the horse yes. is. Now, I know you're not active on Twitter and things like that, but no. there's often big rows on there about if a horse is a 7-1 to one shot and it's 11-2, to two, you don't back it. If it's a 10-1 to one shot, you have double on there. Is that your sort of business? No, nah, no. Nah. We'll have, if they put up seven and we want to take seven, we would have, listen, well, the time we finish, no one seven. Does, you know, we would take the seven every single place that is possible on this planet Earth to take seven to one. We would take. But it's opened up eleven to two, so you just leave it alone. What are you saying, Simon? Are you saying would I trade out of it or? No, I'm just saying. If oh, if it was, if the horse was, um, listen, if we thought it was going to be four, no, we would take eleven to two. You know, I mean, and see, I mean, I've backed horses this morning. I've took, I've took six to one. Yeah, I think without looking, I think it's currently. A three to one chance, and I'd fully expect it to go even less. So, is the game trading out of those sort of bets? Listen, 
if you can take 10 to 1, even money chances, do it every day of the week if you can. Because you will win, I promise you. Right, there's good advice there from a professional. People on Twitter take note. Likewise, likewise, if you're a bookie and you lay evens the 10 to 1 chance, you will also win. So, it's price is key. It is key, you know what I mean? And you can that's that's why bookies get the needle so much when we take seven and the next thing it's four. But listen, we don't make the prices, you guys make the prices. And the odd bit is getting the price right. Well yeah, but listen, we ain't right all the time. They only remember the times we are right. Right, so Dean, what would a typical working day entail for you? Um 8.30, I'd come sit in my little office here and I would talk to Christian's man. I'd confide in him, uh, you know, what's fancied. And we've got a jumps man. I would ring him and I would ask his opinion. We have a guy who does a form for us who would have been um, a compiler many years ago for for the firms and we follow him religiously and listen very clear they're, they're just clever guys clever 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 guys so then and they that? put and they put more work into it my ad than the firms do hence you know we go and ask for a better race on saturday and you get told that uh no 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 we haven't looked at that race yet well why have you put the prices up? Why have you put the prices up? If you haven't looked at it, why there is there is an answer, boys. There is an answer to this question. If you don't like laying them prices, don't put the prices up. If you don't want to bet on a maiden hurdle in Ireland, don't price it up. Go work at one o'clock. First race is two two o'clock. Everyone's happy. I'd be confident. Whatever way round they done it, however they restricted you getting on, not getting on, I'd be confident in us making it pay. Okay, D. Well, you've talked in the last bit about speaking to you, you've got the brains behind your operation, or some of the brains behind it. So you've got all the information, you've got what's fancied, who the, who the form gurus have picked up, so then what happens? Um, I would, you know, I, I, I would... Then going back the horses, which have been suggested to me, and um, I would deal with, like I said already, I would ring up the the, the nerve centre of these firms, and you know people would say like, oh, why 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 is he allowed to do it? And I suppose our strike record is pretty good with the prices, you know. So then I would ring the firms, place the bets, and then we would trade them accordingly to what, what what we felt. So did you watch the races? Um, listen, I love golf. I walk around the golf course looking at watching the races. I'm off a nine at the moment. I have been four. Without my phone, I reckon I could have got the three. But uh, it, it, them phones, they are an addiction. I'd love to be able to not look at it, but human nature says you've got to look at your investment. So you've talked about how you do it now. You've been very forthright. People at home will be getting ideas thinking uh, they can probably emulate you there. 
If all of a sudden all your contacts, all your men dried up, you said to me once in the very salubrious settings of the toilets at Cheltenham, <laughs> there's more than one way to skin a cat in reference to bookmakers. Do you think that if this way you do it now went, you and uh, Simon would come up with another way and you'd still come out on top? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do. You know, might not win the amounts that we have won in the past, but, you know, or, 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 or lost, you know, we might just, I don't know. I'm sure we would. I'm sure we would. But there is, you know, it's like, you know, getting on, you know what I mean? I do believe the firms know, and I, and I you know, if they are watching, I, they have my word. I'm a big man of my word, a big man of my word. If they play game with me, I don't never slip anyone into them. And it definitely is the cheaper version, the way they've got it at the moment. They've got me where they want me. The limits are, they can't get any lower. If they get any lower, they might as well pull the shutters down and go home. Because it is the year 2018 after all. And then you could, you know, I've slipped people in. You wouldn't believe the bets we've got off of people. You just wouldn't believe. Prior, prior to them me dealing with them face to face. They stand for it, but, you know, there you go. So a lot of these people that you um, get your marks from, I assume you don't see them face-to-face -face no. from month to month. No. I mean, one of the questions Ben wanted to know is when did you suddenly, when did you decide to become a lone wolf, so to speak, and go out for yourself? Um, I don't know. I've, well, I've always sort of ducked and dived while, you know, whilst even working for, for the Bob Stock firm, you know? And, and Jimmy, like, you know, I just... Um, like I said earlier, I've always bookies don't want to be dealing with the with the live sharks. That's all I want to talk to. That's I only want to speak to them. You know, let them have the you know I don't like using the word the mug punters, but you know I want to be I want to be in with the with, with the clever ones, the Alan Timms of this world and the Johnny Lights of this world. So well connected. The um, now if you believe all the whinging that you see, people's accounts close, all the rest of it. There's a hell of a lot of professional punters out there. But I seek out professional punters to try and talk to. And in reality, they either don't want to talk to you because they're well under the radar, or they just don't really, that many don't exist. So I'm assuming there must be a really special attribute that you need to succeed a lifetime as you as have as a professional punter. What would you say that is? Composure. You would never, ever, ever get me at it if I was doing my money. Impossible. It. You, you've seen where I live, Simon. It is an impossibility they ever, ever get it back. They would never get me at the chase. Impossible. It can't happen. I could, I could not have a bet. If you said to me, you can't have a bet the rest of your life, I could do it like that. No problem, easily. So that's the game, not not chasing. So what's yeah, your? Listen, everyone backs winners and everyone backs losers. But if you can just hold yourself, see you later. <laughs> if you can have the control over yourself, and and may I add, the people I speak to on a daily basis, they would have that attribute. They would have that. You know, what I mean, there's no. I can remember I used to sit there of a Sunday and I used to sling away a hundred quid on the Man United Liverpool game 
I totted it up one year, how much I lost it. I vowed I'd never do it again, and I've never done it since. You know what I mean? There's no such thing as a chuck away bet. You know what I mean? This is it. You know, this is this pays the bills. And I did I did invest well along the way as well. I did, you know, you know, it ain't you know, we got money, we bought properties, but it all initially come from the gambling, yeah. Right, so nobody's going to see you sort of crouched down in front of the telly with an imaginary whip screaming one home. Impossible. So what, now you've, you've mentioned before that, you know, you've, you've had a few ups and downs with racecourse bookies and you mentioned you've got a good, a good relationship with some of the major bookmakers. Now, what's your general opinion of the bookmaking industry as it is now? Right. I suppose we've got to mention the machines, haven't we? They are so morally wrong. So, so morally, morally wrong. I'll give you a story. I was driving home from Goodwood five five years ago. Alison rang me up. She said, I've got some bad news. You automatically think of the kids. She said, well, don't worry, don't worry. It's not one of ours. She said, do you know Oliver at the end of the road? So I said, yeah. She said, He's committed suicide. I spoke to the family. I was at the funeral. That boy's downfall was their machines. He was 18 years of age. He got addicted, which is their intention. They are, forget that we put little signs up. What a load of, what a load of rubbish. You know what I mean? They're addictive. End of. This young kid... Didn't want to let his mum and dad down. Borrowed a, borrowed a monkey off of Wonga.com. Another outfit. Borrowed the monkey. The monkey turned into two grand. Done the two grand. Now he's got let, getting letters through the door. He's had to go to dad. He's held his hands up. Dad's obviously giving him a bollocking. Right. Dad squared the debt off. Don't do it again. The guy's addicted. 18 years of age. Same again. He started again. On the machines, he thinks, oh no, I'll go to Wonga again. Wonga are going to lend him. They've just got their two grand for their monkey. They're going to give him another go. They're still in front if they don't get the monkey. Anyway, I ain't got two of the rest. Starts getting the letters. Bang. Slings himself in front of a train. From them machines. So if the government are watching... Man up, we know you get plenty of money out of it, but morally they're wrong. If you sat on a, if you sat on the corner of a street sticking a needle in their arm, you'd go and nick someone. They should be banned full stop. A member of my family on Allison's side, won't mention his name, done a fortune on their machines. A fortune cost him his marriage that's just people I know personal it must be littered the country with people with the same stories right Dean that came out of nowhere and was quite unexpected we had to stop there for a minute and have a little chat because um, we didn't want it to be inconsiderate with the next question but it's a different thing so we will ask it Anybody watching this obviously now knows to stay away from those machines, but 
if they got a, a bit of ambition to be be a punter is is there a way anybody could get wise enough quick enough to earn a living as you have now or of those days gone um I think they're gone. I think they're gone, personally. You know, you can't... All these firms... You can't get on, full stop. You you know... Joe Public, you just you just can't get on. You are, there's no one more experienced than me and, than the people I talk to in who try their hardest to get on. And that is it. You You cannot get on. You know you can play. You can play. You know you can play on Betfair, and but that that's 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 governor in it. That seems that seems to win Betfair. You know if it's too good, too big a price, it's normally too big a price for a reason. I suppose these days getting your tank together on the racecourse by following in faces and people that's gone as well because the faces don't have it on. There's no faces there. There's no. They were good times. They were good times. You know I remember. They were good, good times, you know, the the banter and all that. But, you know, Barry, Dennis yelling and screaming. And you know, there was just Lulu Mendoza. There was another one. Michael Mendoza. There was one. Bless him. Yeah, yeah. I've got to mention, when I said to you about, I want to mention this guy, right? Because he he, he wouldn't have been at the forefront of making noise or one another. But you talk about I'm a family man. I prided on my, I prided myself on following certain people in life, saying I want to be like him. I want to be like him. A guy called Ralph Leverage. He was the ultimate family man. God bless him. He recently passed away, and I always remember when I was just had my Harry, saying I want to be a dad like Ralph. And they've just lost their dad. And what a gentleman he was. A great man. Great man. And then, of course, there was the times when the NJPC come along and the people lost their businesses. You know, the likes of Billy Brown and Rocky. You know, they was all good guys. All good guys. All good, good guys. You know what I mean? You know, no change. You do need change. You do need change. However, some things are best left untouched. And it is it's mostly it's mostly been better for me financially, but as a as a game, the game ain't what it was. Looking back, sat in a very, very nice house in uh, Leafy Essex. Would you have changed anything you've done? Um Not really, Simon. I would like I think yeah. Working for my mate, what it's cracked up to be, you know what I mean? It can be a bit lonely sitting here, you know what I mean? But, you know, listen, I play golf with my mates, you know what I mean? That's good fun, good banter. Yep. Dean Valentine, thanks very much. Look out for our regular money-back offers, including Pips at the Post on selected horse racing and Saved by the 90s for all Premier League and televised championship matches. BeGambleAware.org over 18 only.